Hello and welcome to Midpoint. I'm delighted to say my guest today is Jimmy Carr, one of the most successful comedians in the UK. He's a TV host with shows like Big Fat Quiz of the Year and 8 Out of 10 Cats. And he's a man who's had his brushes with controversy. His material can get close to the knuckle and we pick the bones out of that in this chat. He was almost cancelled after his tax affairs became not just headline news, but cause for a prime ministerial intervention from David Cameron. But he's approaching midlife without fear although he does have a large checkbook. He's more than happy to talk about his tweakments and hair restoration project. This episode comes, as always, with the support of the wonderful folk at Solgar, who've been making scientifically backed vitamins and minerals for over 70 years. Right, on with Jimmy. What are you pouring? What uh, is just that? Just water, coffee, you know, general, general stuff you would you would want in a podcast. Um, what, uh, what are we chatting about, being old? Uh, well, getting old, being being in the middle of our lives. You know, we would have been in the same age at school. I, I, you know, I, I kind of generally ask people who are over the age of 40 to do this podcast. And when I just I mean, verified that, yeah, we would I mean, have actually been in the same year at school, which I, I don't, I'd like to think we'd have been friends. Uh, yeah, but I don't think you've had anything to do with me. I don't think... <laughs> I don't think I would have got a snog off you. I don't think. I don't, <laughs> Do you think I was the kind of girl that went around snogging everybody at school? Is that what you think of me? I'm, I imagine, I mean, I, no offence to you, but a chlamydia ground zero is how I would describe you. <laughs> I imagine you started that, right? I know, I don't know. I was, I well, was you were, a very, very sparse snogger. But you, yeah, were, you were a sportswoman, right? So you were in that, yeah. you were in school, but you were, how much were you training? Oh, no, I was in school all the time. I just trained like in the evenings, like three or four hours every evening after school. So I did I did the full school. I wasn't in some kind of academy or anything. Um, it was gymnastics, Jimmy. It wasn't Premier League football. I know, but yeah, I've, no I've seen those Netflix uh, documentaries about gymnastics <laughs> and I just feel like it's... It seems yeah. there seems to be something else going on there. Well, my, my experience anyway was a little bit less glamorous maybe than those those Netflix documentaries in terms of the, 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 the whole kind of ephemera of it, you know, living on site and all that kind of thing. So first snog, 13. Next one, probably 16. I mean, you know. It wasn't, wow. It wasn't. How, how bad was the guy at 13 to make <laughs> you go, do you know what? Thing. I might leave it. That is some garlic <laughs> breath. I was quite competitive and I didn't know if I was good enough. I thought that didn't go very well. I don't want to do that again until I'm sure I can. Right. The idea of competitive snogging. Come on, we're meant to be talking about old age, not our glory years of teenage. So so we would have been in the same age at school, right? Okay. So I'm thinking, looking at your life and, and how the trajectory of your life. And actually, I heard your Desert Island Discs years ago, right? And it changed my complete perception of you, actually, as... Um, what, As a person. You think you think oh, this guy won't have great taste in music? Turns out, great taste in music. Yeah, sure. Um, how no, so? It's just your your because your public persona, obviously your your style of comedy and your kind of suitedness and your slickness and everything, uh, kind of belies maybe a, a more. I mean, obviously you went to Cambridge. You're a clever, clever guy. You had a different career beforehand. I mean, there's more layers to you, maybe, Jimmy. Yeah, but I mean, there's. I think it's that thing where you go. Well, of course. Of course, there's more. There's more. Everybody has more layers. But there's more than dick jokes. But it's like I'm quite an old hippie, really. I'm quite an old, you know. I, I, it's a, hippie. hippie yeah. and Jimmy. No. I think I'm interested in in uh, personal development and growth and things that I think people would not would not think I would give the time of day. Uh, so one of the things I wrote down, I literally just did a brainstorm of things that I wanted to talk to you about, and I surprise, surprisingly spiritual is what I kind of wrote down uh, well i mean i have no um i have no sort of religious faith but uh so but you i have would... this air of spirituality sometimes I no think. like maybe like a spoilt priest but maybe that's the hippie thing maybe that's the hippie thing maybe but i mean i sort of you know i don't really i always think that thing of like if you don't believe in anything you'll believe in anything it's a great gk <laughs> chesterton quote and that thing of going well sometimes when if you if you lose your faith i lost my faith quite late i think yeah. most people either lose their faith when they're sort of you know early teens go Oh, this doesn't seem likely. Or they keep it all the way through. I was about maybe 25, 26 when my faith mm. went. You described that as a midlife crisis. I think a quarter life. I think I'm optimistic about the future. Well, hopefully. Um, otherwise, we've got two more years of you. Yeah. <laughs> but that thing of like going, well, actually, that, that thing of, uh, it, it does sort of change everything. Because you sort of go, oh, right, I've got a, all of that, all of that was, you, you know, because it was religious, religious in the old sense of living for the next life. So... The thing that's the clever thing that's happened with religion in, uh, I, I think, America in particular, but also in the UK, is religion is now secular. They've, mm. you know, they talk about Britain has become a secular country, but America has become secular through religion. So in America, religion is about, oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? It's 
it's that weird thing of going, it's about this life now, and being, yeah. being your best self, which is actually, that's more about therapy. Whereas religion was always about the next life. It was always about, well, get through this. This is dreadful. But the next one, oh, I promise. Because when, when that kind of religious belief or that doctrine or dogma was, was, was the kind of order of the day, it was a terrible life, wasn't it? We were, we were peasant poor and we, you know, we, that, that kind of suited the climate. I mean, unless, unless you read Sapiens and actually the guy goes, yeah, we were much happier then. We were happier being tribal than we are in big groups. There's is that what you got from the Sapiens? I love Sapiens. Well, it's, 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 it's re- I don't think it's a really interesting book. There's a couple of books yeah. that I read alongside that at the same time that I thought were not better, but I thought they, they gave me more. There's a book called Tribe, which I'd really recommend, and there's one called yeah. Selfie. And it's kind, they're both kind of twin. They're about that idea that in our society, there's, there's a sense of uh, there's alienation and depression and anxiety going on that there isn't in tribal communities or when people have got big families and... The, the idea that we're all sort of striving, especially in, in lockdown, really exposes it. The COVID thing really exposes mm. it. The idea that we're, we're not really, we don't really function very well as individuals. We, we function best in, in groups. And do you think that uh, pertains to you as, a, as somebody who spends his life doing Yeah, because, quite? well, it's, it's, there's a weird kind of, um, I, I suppose there's lots of paradoxes in life, but, the, you know, you're a stand-up comedian and you're on your own on stage and it's just you. And you could let your ego get carried away and think, yeah, I did that. But takes a village, takes a lot of friends and a lot of support and a lot of, and it also takes the audience. Really, yeah. when you think about what, why people like stand-up gigs so much, and I, I do think there'll be like such a boom in music and comedy when this thing ends, because you get up in the morning and you check a screen and you look at another screen all day to work and you're on a Zoom call. And then in the evening to relax, you look at another screen. And I think there'll be something that live experience of being mm. sort of connected to other people, being in a little tribe for the evening, especially with comedy, because it's that thing where if you've got the same sense of humour as other people, you really feel that connect. You know, that lovely quote. It validates you, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, think- that, that lovely thing, laughter is the shortest distance between two people. And that, that thing of going, you're laughing to acknowledge and show the mm. group. Someone did a study and it's like, you're 30 times more likely to laugh when you're in a group than on your own. Are you as funny in lockdown? Uh, I mean, I mean, you, you, you be the judge. We've gone straight into serious <laughs> in this, but I blame you. Um, I've been writing quite a lot. Um, I've been writing quite a lot of stand-up. And I think there's a weird thing now where I almost feel like this is like going back 20 years. I've been doing comedy about 20 years, a little bit longer maybe. And before comedy, I remember going to dinners and things where I would sort of hold court and go, right, here's one for you. Here's a story. Here's, and like, like having having to sort of find an outlet for that energy. And I sort of find myself now, you know, chatting to friends on Zoom or something, kind of in that mode because you, you miss... Um, I because, it, you know, my husband, Kenny, you've met Kenny, he, um, who you thought was Gavin Henson um, when I first... Uh, I know, I, I think you were... You. only think you were having an affair <laughs> with Gavin Henson when we first met is what happened. <laughs> I think that's... I think you're misremembering. <laughs> And then bizarrely later on that evening at your party, um, a very well-known um, PR guru thought I was Charlotte Church. Do you remember? So the whole thing kind of was... That, presumably that was Matthew Freud. I don't know that it many... It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He thanked me for singing at his father-in-law's uh, birthday party. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair enough. <laughs> I did a little uh, rendition of P.A. Yezu. Just well, it feels like as back. a couple, you need a more distinct look. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it feels like you need, need re- more of an identity. We need rebranding. We clearly need a bit of rebranding. But anyway, Kenny, uh, who's not, you know, doesn't doesn't make comedy for a living. So I don't expect a daily kind of 10 minutes from him, a short five or anything. But he he he's really paranoid about not being funny anymore. He says, I just feel like I'm not as, I don't make you laugh as much. What's, I feel like I haven't really? got the tea. I haven't. Yeah, I always just, feel like whenever we've hung out with you guys, there's always like, there's quite a spark between you two in terms of, you've got sort of the same sense of humour. It's a really good, I always think that's the thing people should look out for. All of these uh, Tinder and Bumble and Grinder and whatever, the sense of humour is the thing that kind of keeps it going beyond the first, you know, the, the oh, flight God. of passion. It's that thing of well, like... Well, that's what he's worried about because it's like, it's like kind of, and I actually, in the last, since he said that, he's put a bit more effort in and I've, and he, and I've actually done a few belly laughs, not just to make him feel good, but actually he's upped his game a little bit. I he's think. upped his um, game. So what's <laughs> yeah. the, 
is it is it commentary on life or is it is he just doing it's just noticing the funny isn't it i think i'm really lucky okay i'm getting to go out all the time i'm in three countries this week right i'm doing i'm doing rugby really? in wales yeah i'm doing a rugby show in wales i'm doing another rugby match in scotland i'm doing a football match in southampton i'm all over the shop right i'm out and i'm talking to people okay right he, he's he's doing his business is doing great, but he's just doing it all around the corner in his office. Like this is a double split office. We've got a wall between us, and he's around there all day long working. Right, and it's and I, and I listen to his zooms, Jimmy. They're not like this. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, they're quite they're quite dry. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it is that thing of uh, I, I suppose it's a it's been a really tough thing for a lot of people. I think that because the the lockdown, I don't think it's. I, I, there's different ways of looking at it, isn't there? Like some some people say it's caused a lot of problems in relationships. I think it's revealed a lot of problems. I think there's a, there's a lot of people that were in a relationship where, you know, what did you sign up for in a relationship? It's an hour a night. It's maybe half an hour in the morning. It's half an hour in the morning, right? You're brushing your teeth. You're saying hello. What we Right, I've got a rush. Slice it's of toast. And then in the evening, it's by the time you've eaten and watched an hour of TV, there's like, there's an hour clear to chat to another human being. Suddenly, we go from that to 24-7. It's like relationships went into dog years somehow. <laughs> the last year, we should all have to bring our 20th or 40th... We've got a diamond wedding anniversary tomorrow. <laughs> well, you've got to bring it forward. You know, it's, it feels like it's there's no, so much. That, we haven't really been married 50 years, Jimmy. Remember, we're the same age. Oh, yeah, OK. <laughs> but but I, uh, my point on relationships is I think it reveals a lot because you're, yeah. you're kind of... It's exposed. What's it revealed? What's it revealed for you then? Well, it's been, it's been pretty good for us, I would say, in terms of going, you know, we get along very well. And it's that thing of... Um, it's, but it's, it's that thing of you, you go, you're sort of, it's Groundhog Day. You're sort of doing the same things and getting the same patterns and, and, and having a bit of space always seems to be the thing. That was always my thing on holidays of like, we need a bit of space on holiday. Yeah. yeah. Go and play tennis for an hour. Go and do something. Yeah. So that, because yeah. our, our thing is always like, you sort of get together in the evening and it's always like, yeah. what's been going on? What's the news? Yeah. And there's no, like the last year, nothing. What's happened? Nothing. Well, that's when I come back in the door from one of my work trips what's everybody saying off to see what gavin henson what, what do you mean what's everybody saying what was the, what was the chat work today and he he, he was re- early on you could see there was a little bit of kind of um envy i think about me having conversations with other people and how how they were interacting in the world and um and so i i kind of try and bring something back every time i'm like the great i'm the forager i'm going out to bring new material back into to the bring household. stories we see we've got teenagers here as well and they bring a lot of stories you know and they're they're bringing and they're gcse year there's a lot going Are on gcse year. i read that report yes. the other day that said they were yes. the hardest hit of, yeah. of everyone because you they go were, I, mean, I mean for us it's, it's like that thing of like people go oh why did the summers seem so much longer when i was a kid because it was like an eighth of your life Yes, when you were that, exactly. it, like it was, yeah. it was just as a proportion. It's not as important when you're older, and no. that thing of like the teenagers, and I think people in their early like have just left college as well. Those are the two, like the GCSE level, and just left university and kind of going right. I'm going to start my career. Ah, oh, there's nothing. All right. <laughs> Well, I think the thing Brutal. is, well, last summer they got out a bit, didn't they? And so they had this kind of brief moment where they, and they loved it and they lapped it up and they were that age where they were just going out on their own and meeting friends and all that and maybe having the odd beer in secret and all those kinds of things. And then boom, they're kind of back with us, you know, and um, and I'll only allow at least three shots of vodka a night. I'm really strict. And sure. so I, <laughs> and, uh, and so they're back home, they're being good, but then at the weekends, they just want to go on bike rides, in inverted commas, with their mates. You know, they just kind of get out, they're allowed to exercise. Is that, is that that's and, the new euphemism, is it? That's the yeah, new... Yeah, they go on a bike ride. Um, and on a Sunday, uh, my son goes for a walk, maybe with a young lady, I don't know. Um, he goes for a walk. Um, and so, Sorry, and you, I just think, do you live in good. Bridgerton? <laughs> Is it, is it? Are you calling from Bridgerton? Just, I just feel very. I'm going to. I'm on the. He he's on the dark walk. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I. But I think good. I. You need to do that. You need to go out because this is what you should be doing at this age, isn't it? Anyway, when they've got a long way to go to to their middle of their lives, as you point out, time goes much quicker as you get older. Definitely, doesn't it? It just. It just kind of. It, it's it's it weird. I think to... there's. I think there's. Um. There's a. There's a times very. It's very odd. The whole kind of concept of time and the passage of time. And there's a lot of kind of, you know, better minds than me thinking about it. But it's weird how we don't think in seasons, we think in, you know, minutes and hours and days. And sometimes it seems to go very quickly. But at the same time, I mean, I found the whole COVID thing very interesting because it feels like the year's gone very quickly, but the afternoons have taken a lifetime. <laughs> it's, 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 it's weirdly, it's moving it's so at different true. speeds at the same time. It's, it's so true. That's so true. Certain parts of the day and certain days, certain weeks 
have been a month, haven't they? Yeah, I, I and... must say, I think I think most people, you know, this third lockdown has really been the bitch of the bunch. It's really been hard. And the, the weather, I mean, that thing about your son going for a walk, I've been walking a lot in the parks near us because that thing about getting in nature, it's like yeah. going, the, the preemptive thing of going, you know, when you feel a bit, ah, oh, I might be getting claustrophobic and I might be getting a Get bit out. depressed. Yeah. Getting out in nature seems to be the thing. But yeah, that I thing am, of like time, the passage of time and, and getting older. I don't know, though, whether it's not. I mean, there's things you can do. What are you talking about? Front plastic surgery now? What? No, no. <laughs> well, well, everything. I mean, I think that thing of like the that, that kind of the classic stuff of like um, exercising. Like if you do like I'm not a sport. You were a sportswoman. Your husband's a sportsman. And most of the sportsmen I know are ruined by the time they get to middle age. They're carrying so many injuries that they can't do regular sports. Now, I did nothing pre-30, just nothing, no sports at all. And then I've kind of done quite a lot since, and I quite like it now. But that idea of going, it does seem to, you feel much better, you feel fitter. I remember once being at a dinner, we were at a dinner together, and you'd lost a lot of weight. This was a long time ago. And I said to you, gosh, you look well. You said something sure, about my shoes. You're a woman with needs. <laughs> I understand. Go on. You said you look well. It, you, I said you look well. You said something about my shoes because you always notice shoes. And then, um, and then you said, oh, I said, what have you done? And you said, I've stopped having the pizza. Every night after I gigged, I'd have a pizza. I stopped having the pizza. Well, I, I stopped eating after six. That was the really, I mean, it fell off me when I initially, I kind of, I basically got to intermittent fasting about 10 years ago, a bit longer. Like the idea of going, I sleep better if I don't eat late at night. And mm. I function better if I don't eat late at night. Now, that's all gone in the lockdown because you have the <laughs> evenings at home doing nothing. But when I was working nights, it was super easy because you couldn't eat before the gig. And then by mm. the time you, after the gig, you'd go, well, there's only filth available. There's only, What's the point? Yeah. There's only McDonald's and kebabs at this hour. So unless you're, uh, you know, ravenous, mm. leave it. So then, and then that was, you were able to maintain, because you've never gone back, have you? You've, you? When you lost that weight, you've kind of pretty much stayed. Yeah, I think, I think it was that, that I'm talking weight. to you as if you're some kind of Weight Watchers But that weight was, the, I put on weight because of the, the lifestyle of comedy was, um, it, it was that thing of like being on the road. And, yeah. and you kind of realise when you travel around the country, kind of, especially like, uh, you know, in the car, you can't get good food. They're, they're, in our culture, so much of our food is fast food or, or on the go. And there's so few healthy options. I'm on the road a lot with, with my job as well. And I tell you, the greatest thing in the last few years that I've, I've invested in is Tupperware. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> because, kind of bring your own. Because I just don't want to succumb to that kind of rubbish when I'm out working. And so if I've got something with me, I will eat it. And, it, and I know it's, you know, it's really very 1970s to carry Tupperware around with you. Kind of like call it. it. what you like. But it does I kind of like that thing of going and you kind of, it's easy to make healthy choices when you're not hungry as well. It's easy yeah. to go packing a lunch is easy. We think like the, Who'd have thought that the podcast with Jimmy Carr would be the one we talk about packed lunches and Tupperware? Tupperware. Yeah. Well, it's, it is that thing, though, like not having it in the house seems to be the thing. Like resisting, yeah. like if you've got the biscuits in the house, just you yeah. might as well eat them now, exactly. like the cookie well, monster. I've, I've spent 16 years nearly telling my children that the treat drawer is the one with the rice cakes in. And then they, wow. they obviously, they'd go to other people's houses and go, you know their treat drawers have things like chocolate and uh, crisps. Yeah. And I go, yeah. well, that's their choice. And you know, uh, and you know they've got things like diabetes. <laughs> I must say that that's something that's been really kind of uh, it's it's interesting this last year the that lifestyle thing for a lot of people of go because COVID so clearly attacked people that were that were overweight Not and well. mm. uh, it's that thing of going you want to be healthy and have a longer life I suppose that thing of going to the gym or working out whatever I mean it seems very smug because we are the wealthy well you know we're on telly mm. we're doing okay and it, having the time for this is really the thing. I think there's a lot of people that got quite healthy in the first lockdown because they went for long walks every day. Mm. And just that thing of going, having the time. The great thing I will mourn in COVID is the, I was fooling myself into thinking lots of things like, oh, if I had the time, I'd learn how to play the drums. I've had a year. Mm. I haven't even started. <laughs> I thought that this morning when I walked past the piano and did that thing where I go, yeah, one day, oh no, this was the year. <laughs> this was this the was year it. where I could really this was get it. to grips with it, you. It really exposed, it exposed who we really were. Like that delusional yeah. thing of going, yeah, I'll get to that. No, you won't. I have read more because uh, I did. You learn to read in, in lockdown. <laughs> I, I, like, read. I tell you what, I'm a huge fan of, and I don't know whether it's a childhood thing, but books on tape. I much prefer audible and listening to books and mm. going on a long walk than sitting reading. I just find so much of my work is sort of in front of a computer and typing away and writing things. That reading, 
I like the idea and I like the activity of listening. I, I find my retention of stuff I've listened to is fantastic. So have I, you ever tested what kind of learner you are? Because that's that is a, a thing, isn't it? That that some people just are better at. I believe I believe the term they used in my school was "you are a slow learner." <laughs> I don't think so. No, I, I was. I mean, so. I was. I was in special ed. I was. I was properly. Really? Yeah. You went to Cambridge. Um, yeah, very dyslexic. I couldn't really read until I was about ten. So yeah, yeah, I was in. I was in special ed. Wow. But that's why you like being talked to then. As opposed to yeah, I always like that thing. I find it a very it's relaxing probably quite thing. tiring for your brain reading, you know, because it does. Well, the great thing, dyslexic. the great thing about and Caroline and my other half thinks I'm mental, but I listen at either two or three times speed because it, it, most books on tape, someone is reading too it slow. like there was an actor doing it normally. Sometimes the author, <laughs> but they're reading it really quite slowly and as if they've <laughs> never seen words before. And you just if you put it on three times the speed, you're just zipping through at the speed you. <laughs> Great. We 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 were tiptoeing towards because uh, we're tiptoeing through the kind of aging process internally and being healthy. And I thought we were going to get to the aesthetic. Oh, um, so I'll, I'll just do a gear change and we'll you, talk about that. What would you like to know? Well, I well, you you at the beginning of lockdown, you very early on talked about your hair, which looks magnificent today, might I say? Thank you very much. Um, and so you you had a little little bit of work done. Well, I, I mean, my my kind of my cosmetic journey. Started about ten years ago. I got my teeth. I got my teeth done. They look lovely. That's the first thing oh, I got that done. Was, so that's veneers, is it? It's more than more than veneers. I would say. I, I got how, ev- how long did it take to get? I that got kind I of got thing? every tooth in my head done in one sitting. So I did like um, twelve hours in the chair the the, oh. the first day, uh, and then twelve the second. So there was like a three day thing where you've got temporary things on, but it was pretty full on. So they actually gave me. Um, I think they gave me rohypnol, like that 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 type of drug, intravenously into the vein, and you sit you sit, you're kind of out of it, and they just do everything. You're fine. So you can, can you hear them, but you can't really compute what's what's. You're, it's a dreamlike haze. You're like in a weird For space. Twelve hours. Yeah. Oh my god. And uh, you're clearly very happy with the results. Yeah. I yeah, I like them. <laughs> I mean, I think that thing of like age is read with. Um, pe- people don't really see what's there. They, 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 you know, people are good at pattern recognition. That's all they do. So I think they do teeth and hair is, is the quick, uh, when you, oh, you look at someone, okay. That, that's the thing. So I think maintaining is the thing. I don't think there's anything you can do plastic surgery wise or, or augmentation wise that makes you look better. You can just sort of stay the same. That's what you could hope for. You can definitely look worse though. Well, I think, I think when you try and overdo it, it, when you try and do too much, yeah. But there's people doing Botox that shouldn't be doing Botox. If you go to France, you need to be a qualified plastic surgeon to administer Botox. And over here, it's like you, anyone's doing it. But, you know, also, the, people say things like, oh, I need Botox here. And I'm like, what? what, what, what what's here? What's, that's, not, that's not where you need Botox. You know what I mean? Like pointing, I'm, I'm now holding my chin. Because actually, if, you've got, like, if you feel like you've got lots of chins, that's not going to change anything. Yeah, no, so it, people, it would. You, would. you would put Botox in here and here. And you're pointing now to your neck. Yeah, so you, what would that do? You'd paralyse the muscles there and that would stop, oh, that would okay. stop um, you getting jowly. That would stop that pulling down. But that, yeah, but if it's already jowly, it's not going to lift it up. That was my yeah. Point. No, the it will. It will. Yeah, it will lift it up. Yeah, but I mean, you need to go and see a brilliant plastic surgeon to get that done properly, and you need the Botox yeah, to go in subdermally. Well, you're not. Yeah, um, I think it's the analogy that was drawn when I first saw someone was like someone the dentist doing the Botox. It's like the air hostess flying the plane. <laughs> Um, so the hair, the teeth, you've obviously... Well, I got that. The hair thing was like, I went to, I really researched it. And I came up with this guy, Edward Balls at the Maitland Clinic, who I'll give a shout out to, who was um, uh, just a Does really... Does it grow? Not... Does it grow? Or was yeah, it just no. like that? Of right, course, okay. yeah. I mean, it's, well, I don't, no, I don't know. I, I just, well, so I what all they do is they, uh, it's this guy... Uh, uh, it's amazing. Um, Look at that. I mean, it's like Michael McIntyre-esque. It's so kind of floppy now, isn't it? As well, uh, well it's, it's like... just long. I, I kind of want it cropped again. Um, so this guy, Ed, Edward Ball or whatever, um, Edward Balls at the Maitland, it's down in Portsmouth. So it's the least, I went to all the places in Harley Street and you go and you talk to these guys, the front of office when you get a, a hair transplant, because it's only, it's middle-aged wealthy men that have gone yeah. a bit vain. This guy. So you go in there, <laughs> front of office is immaculate. And it's the most charming guy selling you, hey, well, can't be, of course, we could do it. And did. he's got good hair, the guy that's selling it to you. The guy that's selling it's got, got good hair. hair. And then yeah. you meet the doctor that's doing it. And the doctor that's doing it is like a, a GP from somewhere <laughs> that go that wanted to make a few quid and goes, yeah, I'll do it, fine. Eh, we do the pattern. Eh, 
great. No, you need, again, you need a plastic surgeon, you need someone that's qualified that has an aesthetic thing. So the guy that right. I used was a plastic surgeon, is a plastic surgeon, and then he he's kind of got an aesthetic thing. So and where do they get the hair from? They get it from the, your... the back of your head. So you Did can't... you have to shave your head? Yeah, yeah, so you shave your head fully, which I loved. Um, I kind of suited a shaved head, which surprised me. Did you look like Phil Mitchell? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did you start sure. wearing sleeveless T-shirts and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I'm, sure, I'm sure I've got hair photos on here somewhere. I'll, I'll find you one. But it was, it's it, not vital. It's not vital for a podcast, but for my personal reference, I'd quite like to see it. Um, so the hair, the hair's looking great, and it's kind of chestnutty as well. It's got a little kind of tinge, hasn't it's it? It's got a bit of something. I could do with dyeing it, I suppose. So uh, that's that's me with the mm. shape. Oh my gosh! Wow, you could be one of the Beckham boys. That's you me. Could... <laughs> do you know? You don't look like. You know who you look like. Madonna and Guy Ritchie's son when he shaves his head. Yeah, sure, they, sure. You do, you do. Look, What's his name I again? I look full on crazy. You look, you look great. You could be in Breaking Bad. I, but but um, I, I wasn't receding. I had the same hairline since I was about 17. I, but I, I looked like a vampire's accountant. That was my hairline. I kind of had a big widow's peak. You see, Kenny has, Kenny has widow's peak, as you might, might have noticed, might not. And he's talked about, because he's got great hair, but he's talked about having it done. And, and he's like, I said, look, I, I, everybody has it done now. It's if, not he's, even kind if he's going to get thing, it done, it? I'd get it done now. I don't know. I mean, if it's Is impo- there something irresponsible about having plastic surgery while the kind of like in the middle of, I don't know. If that the, I mean. Did, it have a, did you have a moral conundrum at all that you were Not really, because it, it's medical? not like the, it's not like the technicians doing that would have been on a COVID ward. It's not like they'd go, oh, my God, this guy's dying of but COVID. But they did stop all surgery. Like, a friend of ours is an ear, ear, nose and throat surgeon. Yeah. Oh, no, they, he, they he stopped. Stop. You couldn't get yeah. anything in the first lockdown. It was it was just post-lockdown that I had it done because you couldn't, I mean, nothing, no medical facilities were open. You couldn't see a dentist. You couldn't see anyone. It was do you really... feel better for having everything? Do you, do you feel? Yeah, I think it, so. Yeah. I also, I mean, I think that's, the cosmetic stuff is sort of nonsense. Feeling better is about... The, the exercise stuff that I do, that that mm. regime and taking lots of pills. I take a lot of, of pills. Of course, but that makes you feel physiologically better. But psychologically, do you feel better for yeah. the, for the yeah, I think so. surgery? I think so. I think you, you are kind of what, what I imagine in my head uh, it matches what I see in the mirror. So right. because it's also the great illusion of being on TV and kind of the, it, it, it's not really talked about very much, but you see yourself in full makeup at your best lit well <laughs> on TV if you happen to flick by something, and then you look in the mirror and go, oh, that is disappointing. That's how I started this whole podcast. I had an, a moment about 18 months ago where I walked past a mirror and is, went, oh, my gosh. Is this whole thing you that? fishing for compliments? <laughs> no, this look, is... Look this elsewhere, is... <laughs> Gabby. Look elsewhere. So so I shouldn't get the face if I'm 50 then. I shouldn't be... Um... Oh, no, you should, yeah. You should, just to make the <laughs> podcast better. <laughs> what is your training regime? What are you doing to? Because you're very slim. Um, what do you? What I do you do? I, I, so I sometimes uh, train, do like kind of weights, uh, a hit, running, yoga, bar works. You know, lots of um, lots of different. If you don't want to answer the question, just name a bunch of stuff in a row. <laughs> well, I do. I do mix it up because for me, it's about keeping stimulated and interested. You know what I mean? And if I do the same thing every day, that doesn't interest me. I like the idea that my I, I, this sounds really hippish now, but I like mindful exercise. I like to like, so when I do it, I really think about the part of my body that I'm exercising and working out so that, so that it kind of is a, a much more um, intense thing. Do you know what I mean? I don't just kind of put my headphones on and, and run. I sort of know what you mean, but not really. <laughs> I mean, not, not really. I'm really thinking about done... my arm now as I pick this up and put it down again. I'm really thinking about my arm. Works? Have you ever done bar works? Bar which is like kind of it's like it's like um it's based on ballet right but it's not you really intense small exercises do you want to just have, have a little think right you're a broadcaster do you want to think about that question again because it's me you're talking to and you're asking have you ever done ballet <laughs> yeah, have a think have a think you've had your hair done you 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 know yeah you but there's there's you, you there are limits done. on these things right <laughs> so when you go back to sp- you said you didn't do anything before you're in your 20s right and and I Nothing. wonder. Obviously, then you go. Then you become. You worked in the oil industry. You become a comedian. You become very successful comedian, an ambitious comedian, might I say as well. I feel like you're somebody who who's got that kind of drive. Yeah, it's just not a bad word. You're looking like I'm. No, no. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know about ambitious, but I mean, it's that thing of like going. I just I, can't imagine you being a second rate. I, you know, when you made that transition from working in an oil for an oil business and going to comedy i cannot imagine for one second you thought i'll just do this and see how it goes you went i'll just do this and i'll become one of the very best in the world 
I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I, I think there's, there is a thing of going, I am very ambitious, but that thing of going, being a comic was really the success. Not like the, the other stuff that you would regard as, oh, right, he's had 10 specials or whatever. Uh, that stuff is like, it doesn't matter. Like getting sort of, as soon as I was doing gigs at the comedy store or whatever and making a living, I felt like I'd made it. That was enough because it was an interesting life and I'd had quite a boring life before. So that really felt like the transition. But yeah, quite ambitious. Yeah, why not? Yeah, well, no, I don't think there's there's nothing wrong with being ambitious at all. It's um and drive and determination and focus and all those things that you, I think I think that's one of the reasons I I find myself drawn to your kind of your your personality because you kind of you're very much like a lot of the sports people that I, I well there's there's a great with. quote by Steve Martin which is um, uh, uh, perseverance is a great substitute for talent, <laughs> and, and you, you yeah. 100%, you can just kind of, you can work at it. And, and the world is kind of full of examples of people that you go, oh, they didn't have the natural ability. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's that thing of like my, my sort of theory of luck is it's, it's your, your natural attributes plus the hard work you put in is your luck. It's, you know, it's just like, it's, you're buying Gary a lottery Play, The Gary Player quote, the harder, I, the harder I practice, the luckier I get. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's perfect but, though. It really is perfect as, as a- tiny tiny percentage of people who aren't that you know that have like you know you probably know a handful of people who are true genius at what they do whatever it is I I don't think so I I think people people sort of use the word genius like it's you don't want to be a genius it is no that's what I mean there's there's so there's so few of them though properly properly you know, just naturally gifted and don't need to work at it. I don't know anybody in sport, really. There are some, there are people who are very Don't think there's anyone in comedy that's, that made it without a 10-year struggle. Uh, I'm trying to think. Maybe uh, Eddie Murphy's probably the exception of someone that just came out at 18 pretty much fully formed. I don't know how it happened. I think is maybe... He your, is he your favourite? Uh, no, he wouldn't be my favourite, but, I mean, he's right up there. If you're making a Mount Rushmore of comedy, he's definitely a contender. But, I mean... F- f- yeah, I, I think that thing of like, he was so fully formed so early, but thinking about it, maybe he'd been working since he was eight with his brothers at home and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. his brother's Charlie Murphy, who's a pretty funny were guy you? as well. Were you like that when you when you were a kid? Were you trying to make people laugh? Yeah, I think, okay, here's my, here's my theory on comedy, right? Attest this if you have com- comedians on the show. I think all comedians have a sick parent. I think they all have a parent who's either mentally or physically uh, sick and they needed to make things okay. And I think the drive to make to make the mood lighter, to, to mm-hmm. be funny, mm-hmm. the compulsion often comes from that kind of childhood trauma. All, That's my theory. All, all. I can't think of any exceptions, but I mean, maybe there are some. I think a lot of people have that. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe, you know, it's certainly my experience. And you were the one that was trying to lighten the mood. Trying to make it all right. Trying to kind of, all right, what are we doing? <laughs> And your comedy that you ended up kind of being notorious for and your shows is is very much, I mean, I wouldn't say dark. It's it's on the line, isn't it, sometimes, you know? Yeah, it's, it uh, no, of, it's very, I mean, it's very dark. It's, um, I think I sort of comedy, dark. though, is a bit like uh, food or sex. Um, different people have different tastes and you like what you like. Some people like the spicy stuff. Some people like the mild stuff. That's fine. And for me, I like it spicy. <laughs> in all respects have, is there anything that you look back at and this is in a way this is also about i suppose that we get to the middle of our lives and we all have we'll have some kind of regret in life don't we that we um that maybe you know i used to say when i was younger no i've got no regrets i just learned from every experience and now i realize no actually i do regret some things you know i do i do think that i should is have it, done it, that you know but it, yeah, i mean I suppose that old question of like is it better to regret the things you have done or the things you didn't do and but do you regret anything that you thought? Or, I mean, something you, I didn't change your mind about what was funny. Uh, no, I've got the same sense of humour. I've got the same thing. I mean, I think the world moves on, and I think you're you're constantly. It's a weird thing now where thinking about it, the the joke that ends my career, the thing that I'm cancelled over, I've already said it. I can relax. It's out there on a DVD somewhere or on YouTube, and at some point that joke will come to light, and I'll be cancelled. Okay, it was it was fine at the time, but everything's happening at the same time now. It's that thing. Do you, worry, do you do you worry about that, especially in the last year when people's prior kind of comments and situations have come to light and they've been cancelled, or albeit sometimes just temporarily? Do you ever worry about that? Uh, I don't think worry is kind of the right thing. I think you're aware that that could happen, but then you go, well, you you don't have a right. I don't have a right to be on TV. I don't. I think the 
Um, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of very positive things about cancel culture and a lot of negatives. So it's it really feels like it's people power. It's it's large, it's the public could do something, which is the good side. The bad side is there's no redemption. There's no road back because it's constantly happening. There's that brilliant "So You've Been Publicly Shamed" book about how mm. when people mess up now, it's forever. There's a mm. constant record. It used to be that it would be a story in the papers and it would fade and five years later people would go, oh, he's sort of forgotten about that, he's back. And now it seems some to be pe- forever. Some people, some people though, I don't know, they seem to skirt it a little bit easier than others, don't they? Some people do seem to get cancelled quicker and more definitely and more with more finality than others. Do, do you... It's, you it's, it's, inter- it's interesting where when it's something that can... You know that phrase, we cannot forgive what we cannot punish. The idea that sometimes things are very easy to... So I sort of nearly got cancelled over a tax thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was very easy to see what, what what are you going to do? You haven't paid enough tax. Can I pay the tax? Yes, you can. Okay. That seemed, it was quite quid pro quo. It just seemed to kind of, you know, work and people got a sense of that. And it was kind of all right. But with some things, it's like it's very difficult to see what the punishment is. You, I suppose what, you know, the, the nub of the question is you made jokes about rape you made jokes about um disability um do those things still stand for you would you would you still yeah, but, make jokes but i suppose you know on a podcast i'm very aware that um i oh, know this is the quote that could come out of no podcast. but it's 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 broadcasting it's it's mm. you know you're, you're you're putting this out i suppose people have to listen to your podcast but they might not particularly want to listen to me so the kind of there's a big difference i think between telling jokes to uh, adults in a context is everything. So it's 10 o'clock in the evening, you're in a theatre, you've been on stage for an hour and you tell jokes mm. that are very edgy and really a lot of the joke is about that um, uh, taking something that, where there is a tension and releasing that tension and talking about things in society. Um, uh, you know, saying, saying a, a subject is off limits, saying it's too, that's too serious to joke about. It's like saying that disease is too uh, terrible to cure. You go, well, the, the laughter is how we process. It's how we deal with those very dark things. And mm. what you find funny is is very much a part of you. So that that very spicy. So you transcribe to the thing. kind of Ricky Gervais school of thought. Then that there is there is it's your. He says it. What does he say? It's my house. It's my church. So I can I can say in that in that space. Yeah, I, I would I would in, I, I would entirely subscribe to that. And I think people have a right to be offended once. They can come and see my show and be offended once. I go, well, I'm not going to go and see that again. But if they come back again, and the, the, <laughs> the faux offence is kind of, I mean, really, that idea of being offended on behalf of someone else or, well, I'm not offended, but people have said. The, the, the purpose of comedy within a society, like there's public and private discourse, and it strikes me they've never been further away in my lifetime. Like the, what you see on BBC News about people observing the rules and how people are all clubbing together and being good citizens, that and the reality of the real world, it's, 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 it's miles apart. The frustration and the anger that's kind of out mm. there and the, and the anxiety and, and depression, it's not really being talked about publicly. And comedy is often the way that you kind of, you go, you take that very bitter pill and you, you, you talk about it. Mm. Uh, I think it's a very natural thing to talk about anything transgressive within a society. And... Ultimately, I think what's happened when people say, well, you can't joke about rape or joke about disability. And you say, well, people say rape is never funny. And they're right. They're 100% right. But a joke about a rape can be funny. You know, it's, it's not the thing. Mm. Just because you're talking about the thing, it's not the thing. So being offended at the mention of is to, is to sort of complain the two. Has the comedy, you said before you've been writing a lot of stand-up, has your comedy in this period, in this pandemic period, got darker because of... I guess no, I'd say I don't, there was nowhere to go. <laughs> There's nowhere to go darker. I mean, I very rarely, I very rarely write anything that I sort of question. And when I do, ultimately, the audience decide what is and what isn't acceptable and what is and what isn't funny. They decide, right, okay, if I tell a joke, I, like, I'll do like a little preview show for like 100 people mm-hmm. up in Islington in a little theatre, mm-hmm. The Pleasance, and I'll just be reading out jokes. And the audience, sometimes they'll just, they'll laugh Sometimes, great, tick. Sometimes they'll just nothing, just shock. <laughs> and sometimes it'll be a thing where there's like a big response, but it's not really a laugh. 
Right. And so you could be fooled. I was fooled kind of early on in my career into thinking, oh, it's all good. Oh, they were shocked. Right. But you go, no, what right. you want is a laugh, then an intake of breath. If it's an right. intake of breath and then a nervous then laugh, a laugh. Yeah. that's all wrong. It's got to yeah. be funny first and foremost. Like the idea that I want to shock or offend is just is ludicrous. It's a it's a byproduct of kind of what I do when what I do when gets I into the wrong. I come to one of those shows next time? Yeah. I want to go to, I just want to go out. I want to go. Just leave the house. <laughs> I don't want to go anywhere. No, I leave the house, but I want to go be entertained. Um, right, we've we've got Steve O'Brien waiting to talk to us. I think Steve um, O'Brien. Steve O'Brien. Who's Steve O'Brien? Is, it's, he's cherry picked for you. There he is. Steve O'Brien is a trichologist. Is that how you say it, Steve? Trichologist. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, um, I missed. <laughs> yeah, I introduced you as Steve O'Brien trichologist. And um, I I can only see your nose, Steve, but that's fine. Um, this is podcast <laughs> no, I, I, I um, like that position. Steve, I don't want to give you a hard time, my friend, but no, no, I need the head, I need the head lower down. I'm looking at your You way. want to see the hair. I'm you not, look like, Steve, you look like the before photo, brother. You've got to get your hair done. <laughs> I don't want to be a dick I was a fan of yours, Jimmy. I was a big fan. Well, that, that, put that to one side. That, you need to fill that in there. You've got too much widow's peak. It's natural, natural. Natural. So wait a second. So you're a trichologist and you haven't had a hair transplant. <laughs> Yours looks a bit Gabby. suspicious. I have to say, Jimmy. No, there's nothing suspicious about it. Let's, he's, had a, he's had a hair transplant. Let's find. Oh, yes. Let's find someone else because this guy is a joker. <laughs> Steve. Steve, tell me what are your qualifications? What is what does a trichologist do? Uh, what do we do as a, as a job in general? Or? Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? We. <laughs> yes. Yeah, good question. Uh, well, what we do is see people, we diagnose their hair loss conditions and then look at ways or best ways and give them options as regards of what they want to do to okay, sort well, out. The, the first part of that job, you're <laughs> robbing a living and you know that, right? Because everyone that walks in, you just go, well, that's classic male pattern baldness. Yeah. Oh, we, actually, we don't do that. And, and if you 90% check our company... 90% of the time, you know you do, Steve. So no, I'd be right nine times no. out of ten, wouldn't I? No, a lot of others do. We don't do that, I promise you. So what's the other reason for hair loss? Because I, I know a lot of women, actually, no. that, that have have sort of got in touch since I got my hair transplant and gone, actually, I've got a problem with hair loss. And it's not really talked about as much with women. But it can be a really, I think it's more debilitating for a woman Mm. to lose her hair than a man. I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, because I would say at the moment, about on the treatment side of our clients, about 85% are women. Really? Yes. In the I mean, I've, I've been doing this for 20 years. When I started 20 years ago, I would say our proportion of clients, 90% were men. In the last 10 in particular, it was sort of well over 50% women. Yeah, I'd say even in the last five years, getting on for 85, 90%. So uh, the, one of the reasons I wanted a trichologist on this series, and I didn't know it was going to be Jimmy's particular episode, although it's perfect. <laughs> she was, did, unfortunately. <laughs> no, it was for my, my hair has got so wiry and curly as I've got older in the last mm-hmm. five years. What's that about? Why is it changing texture? And what, and what can I do? Yeah, it's a good question. There's quite a few things. Male pattern baldness. So- it's normally <laughs> it's normally male pattern baldness, Gabby, which it's is unusual in a woman. It got in there before me, damn. And that, there's quite a few things. I mean, obviously, we see a lot of women getting older, and, and a lot is is premenopause. We see so many. The the most reason we see and have so many women clients, I think, is stress. So there's a condition, a very common condition called telogen effluvium, which is stress related. But it, the problem. As we're all getting older, is obviously we, you know, we get we're the circulation slowing up as well, somewhat, right. and also if I do more headstands, do you think that would help? Because I can do a it, headstand. I would, but I wouldn't recommend. It. I don't want to be sued for probably. You know, no, I could, I'm happy to do a headstand if it will make my hair less wiry. It, it would help. Do you know what? The, I think a lot of the other bigger problems is apart from sort of stress and general sort of what's going on in the last year, etc. There are a lot of medications that cause problems as well, and a lot of medical conditions. So anemia is a big one. Thyroid's a big one. PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome's another one. I see a lot of the this polycystic well. ovaries are a good band. I think they're underrated. <laughs> I like their early stuff. Um, can I ask? So specifically, Gabby asked about wiry hair as you get older. Like having like grey hair seems to have a very different texture. Yeah. To what's going on with that? Specifically, that. Yeah. Okay. When when the hair goes grey, the pigmentation changes. So the cells change, and you know that that fallacy of stress can cause grayness it, actually it can because can it? it can change the way the pigment cells work the plus side of gray hair is it tends to be stronger but it does have a, a slightly different texture to it getting back to the conditions 
what also I find with I men do it as well, but mainly women is too much blow drying or too high heat, mm-hmm. straightening, chemical relaxing, braiding. There's, yeah, but there's come on, Steve, I'm not going to go on telly looking like Bonnie Tyler in the rain. <laughs> I do I? a little bit of <laughs> chemical relaxing, but I mean, you I would describe as well. it as... Jimmy, how have you got time to work? No, no, I, I was referring to my, my, uh, my chemsex parties. Um, <laughs> what, what did you mean by chemical relaxing? So on, on that, but like the thing, like obviously I've gone off the deep end and had a full hair transplant, but what, what's, the, what's the best treatment then if you're getting wiry hair uh, pre-menopause? I'm asking for a friend. I'm about, I'm about to hit the menopause like a brick wall, she said to me. It's coming. I'm having a hot flush right now on a podcast. What can I do with this wiry hair? I look like a crazy witch. Her words, not mine. As I say, asking for a friend. Apart from obviously doing the don'ts, uh, not a bad suggestion, I think, is if someone hasn't had a blood test for a long time, to check that, to check your iron levels, to check your vitamin B, check your vitamin D. What can I take? What can this person take? <laughs> I, I took a thing, I took a thing like a protein pill, because I, I got the hair transplant and they said, oh, you should take something to make your hair grow faster when you're doing it. So I took a thing called help hair that the, that one of the guys at the Maitland Clinic said, take this pill as a magic source. I took that. That did, I mean, my hair and nails... They were like, I was like a lizard. Yes. Could have skitted up a wall. But, but those sort of products, they help the hair, they help the skin and nails better than they help the hair. Because when you think about it, the hair is the furthest away from the body. The heart's pumping blood around. The scalp's tight hence, around the body. Hence top. the headstand. I'm the standing hair, by the sorry, headstand. The region, hair is the furthest away from the body. Did you just say the hair is the furthest away from the body? The hair's the furthest away from the from the heart. Ant- Anti gravity pushing the yeah. blood flow, and that, right. that especially really- the hair on your feet, Gabby. <laughs> it's growing like bilio. That's that's yeah. fine. The She's like a little feet. hobbit. <laughs> Can I ask about the other things that I, I find interesting because I didn't know about? So I went to have the hair transplant. I'm chatting to the guy. He's a very nice doctor, um, mm. Edward, and uh, he was saying, "Oh, the most common one he does for women, or one of the most common ones, is eyebrows." Because women sometimes lose their eyebrows, and actually yeah. he can put in eyebrows. I thought I'd that like was that. kind of when that happens. I think that's a good. That's I'd a good never heard of that, but I thought that sounds mm. tremendous because some people have them tattooed on, and that you know it's because kind of... um, because eyebrows. In terms of you know, you were talking before about the the kind of um, the two things you said, hair and teeth. what people actually, read. Eyebrows, yeah, yeah, eyebrows are one I think as well that really can be quite aging, can't they? Losing your eyebrows. Absolutely. And you, you get um, a couple of different conditions. Obviously, you've got alopecia uh, universalis, and you've got another condition called frontal fibrosis and alopecia, which only affects women post-menopause. And that you can actually see a deterioration of the eyebrows from that as well. And but so they can what, fix it. If there was one, besides Jimmy's supplement, what, what else would you <laughs> recommend? I mean, I, I think actually a good one that you can get from the high street is argan oil, actually. I think argan with oil. that, it argan has... oil? Yeah, it, help, it can help the condition of the hair as well. If, if, okay. if you're feeling sort of drier, it can help on that side of things. And it does have a stimulatory benefit as well. Thank you very much, Steve. The final question, I think, from me, Jimmy might have another one, is I always remember my granny when she started, she's still with us, she's 92, and when she started, her hair started getting very thin and she said, I wouldn't mind, she's from Leeds, she said, but I've still got it down there, down below. And so your pubes apparently carry on growing right to the day you die, which doesn't seem a very fair, it's not a quid pro quo, that, is it, really? Presumably, they could transplant that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not? <laughs> do you really want pubes on your head, Jimmy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Steve, you've been an excellent guest. Thank you very much. And I don't think Thanks, any Steve. of my guests so far have been quite as engaged and quite as invested in this area as Jimmy. So um, it was a perfect match. Thank you. Yeah, thank Good. You. Nice to see Take you, Steve. Care, Take Steve. care. Be lucky. Bye, Steve. Thanks. Take nice care. to meet you. Take Bye. care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Oh, Steve's nice, isn't he? He is nice. I, I still think he needs to get more hair. I still think he should, like, I tell you what, I went into the hair transplant place and I said, I want to look like an Armenian cab driver. I want eyebrows, half an inch, and then I want the hairline to start. You know, I think of like really a beautiful, thick. Yeah, and there's about a forehead of about an inch. Yeah, that's great. That's what it's a great for. look. Slightly Neanderthal, though, that. Do you not think? No. Just a little bit, a like, little bit Neanderthal. It's fine. Um, so um, we've—I know I've only got like uh, about twenty-five seconds left with you, um, and I just want to know. That's long um, enough, baby. If you, um, if you are, um, are you are you wiser? Are you smarter? Are you more? Um, do you feel more kind of grounded than the, the twenty-seven-year-old Jimmy who lost his faith and went off to be a comedian? Yeah, I mean, I I think I suit being. I like being older. I like being the age I am. I'm looking forward to fifties. 
I think it's it's a weird thing where I didn't make any sense when I was uh, when I was twenty, uh, and and I make more sense in my forties than, and I'm looking forward to my fifties. I like being a little bit older. I like that thing of uh, I, I, you know, it's nice. I don't think it's anything to be scared of. I think that thing of it's it's just it's lovely. And that's why it's worth investing in your looks, in your health. <laughs> I mean, my looks, I, I really feel like, I mean, we've gone about the cosmetic work. You can't polish a turd. It's worth remembering. Like, they, they, they're plastic surgeon. He's got hands, not wands. What's he going to do? <laughs> but also, you, uh, the suit thing, you know, you've always been the suited comedian. And that's not necessarily a younger man's getup, is it? But you're kind of, um, you're, you're, you, you do look good in it. You're wearing a suit today, and I'm honoured. I always, you know. I always wear a nice, it's a... Uh, it's, it's a jacket, it's a jacket. Well, Tom, Tom Sweeney at, uh, at Luke's. I can't Sweeney's. see your bottom half. You might have shorts on. I know, I, I, I got uh, um, uh, a rock out with my cock out. Uh, the, um, I, I, got, I, got, I got a nice tailor. I, I like buying kind of British clothes. I like sort of buying like nice tailored things and... I, don't, I think it's a good look. I think sort of men don't look any better than in a suit. You found your you found your um, thing, which is a lot of people search their whole life for their thing. So you know you're winning. I found my levels. thing. Yeah, it's small, but I found it. <laughs> Thanks, Gabby. Thanks for the vote of confidence. I'll get that well, done next. Uh, oh, by the way, I just remember when you said to me about what have you done? This. Can I show you this? This is I do these. This is I'm showing you my book. Uh, it's not mine. It's by Carol Maggio. It's called Face Size, and you like basically train the muscles on your face. And I try and do like ten minutes of this every day. So I might. Um, so I'm going to say. I mean, I mean, okay. I want to do this podcast again, and I want you. I want ten minutes of it. You doing the weird wow, wow, wow facial exercises. Well, you get actual lactic buildup in your face. Anyway, um, which you starts... get lactic buildup in your face. That's that's one of my searches on Pornhub. On that note, <laughs> love you and leave you. Bye. It's such a pleasure. To love to, to Kenny. You. Take care. Bye. 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 Love to Caroline. <laughs> I always enjoy Jimmy's company, whether he's a secret hippie or maybe he's just a man who's got a lot more depth than his shiny suited, bouffanted persona on TV would have you believe. He's a thinker. He's one of those people that it feels like he spends time formulating his opinions. He's well read. And he's got me thinking about anti-aging procedures with his baby-faced appearance over Zoom. So while I'm continuing to think about that, I'm going to reach for Solgar's collagen hyaluronic acid made with patented BioCell Collagen 2, a really absorbable form of collagen. It's one of my favourites and Kenny's actually too. Thank you so much to Solgar for sponsoring and to trichologist Steve O'Brien, who was very entertaining. And of course, to Jimmy. I'll see you next time on Midpoint.